The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Stock Market Authority Podcast. I'm Bakes, Kevin Baker. I'm going to teach you how to make money in up and down markets. Very few podcasters or coaches cover this. I'll show you how to lock in profits and minimize losses to make you a better investor. So once a week, you're going to know what's going on in the world and the stock market. Welcome to the Stock Market Authority Podcast. Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you. This is Bakes, the Stock Market Authority. Kevin Baker, uh, hope you're having a great week. I sure as hell am. Uh, We're going to talk today about uranium. Yes, uranium again. Uh, I bought more of the Sprott URNM, the majors, and then the juniors, the URNJ. Uh, Just it's time, and I just really want to be forceful about this. The uranium mafia is coming uh, at me both pro and con, and uh, I'm having fun with it. So it's, uh, it's really great. We're going to open the mailbag and talk about uh, energy transfer, NVIDIA slash the socks, uh, the semiconductors, and the artist formerly known as Schlumberger, SLB, an energy service company. And because I'm a masochist, we're going to go through the, the stock market authority portfolio, and I'll show you exactly what I'm doing in my search for the 10 best ETFs to make money this year like we try to do every year. So far, we've made money every single year, including last year, which was disastrous for some. And I want to make you money every single year. That's my goal. But right now, today's top story. Uh, Uranium. Uh, Folks, I'm right on Uranium. And uh, uh, I listen to, I can't tell you how many different podcasts And except for the ones that are, you know, all uranium all the time, uh, I'm the only one talking about it, frankly. So uh, I just want you to at least be aware of this phenomenon, take a look at it for your own portfolio. But, uh, you know, I know how to read a chart. And this is one of the prettiest charts out there. This is the Sprott Uranium uh, uh, ETF URNM. This is the majors. Uh, Cameco is, is, is the biggest position here. I'm going to say it's a $16, $17 billion market cap. But just look at these arrows that I've drawn here. I mean, this is uh, textbook. This is a breakout. This is positive change. This is an increase in volume, well over 150% of normal, that is uh, telling you, to me, clear as day, that something positive is changing here. After, frankly, being dead money for a year and a half, I was, Chrissy, I was called a a uranium tourist this past week, and I think it was pejorative. Uh, Yeah, because uranium was dead money for a year and a half, and I had things to do, like short Kathy Wood and short the SPACs, and that worked out way better than holding on to dead money. I'm a big fan of live money. So, yep, I sold and I went back and looked at it. I sold it uh, uh, January 19th, 2022, and uh, it was the right thing to do. But because, you know, I don't have any baggage, I come back and say, yep, those fundamentals were great, but the spot price of uranium didn't do anything for 2022. Now it's time. Now it's time. And I think we've got two, three years of runway to really make significant money here. So this is one of the best looking charts out of the thousands I look at. This is a clear buy point. 
that that I, I can't be more transparent. Those are my trades. Uh, it's a new high. It's not an all-time high for URNM. I think we're going to get that eventually. The volume is picking up. The 50-day is above the 200-day. Uh, we are just starting. And, and I gave you the reasons, but I'll just recap. It's time. Fukushima was, was, was 12 years ago, and all the negatives of that nuclear plant being, being swamped by a typhoon with no deaths to radiation, by the way. It was all the, the, the water. Um, all the negatives have abated or gone away and, frankly, reversed. Sweden is, is okaying uh, nuclear reactors. Uh, Georgia here in the States just opened the first one in forever. Uh, China has 21 that they're building. They alone are going to drive the uranium price up, in my opinion. And China doesn't care about not in your backyard. It's the Communist Party, and we're going to put the reactors where, they, where we want to. So uh, the, the Russians invading Ukraine made gas uh, more of a question mark for Germany and other places. I could go on and on and on, and I probably will at some point down the road, but I really want to force upon you, enforce or, 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 or reiterate that uh, this is a really big opportunity. And I, everybody wants to talk about, you know, Apple and Google and NVIDIA and all these things. And that's great, but there's not a lot of value added. There's 87 analysts looking at those companies. There's very few people looking here. And I did this in the, in the uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, in the 90s. Uh, I looked at uh, uh, oil rigs when no one wanted to look at them, and I looked at titanium, and I said, this is awesome, and it was great, and they weren't in the indices, certainly the S&P 500 in any big way, and it was fun, and I like having fun. I like making money and having fun, probably in that order. Um, anyway, here's the, I want to go to the junior chart now, URNJ. Uh, this is the smaller uh, companies. Sprout was pretty clever about this. They put this dur- during the dead money time, and 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 you know built this up. And now uh, it, you know it, it's got decent trading volume, but it isn't monstrous. The institutions are going to take a while to find this. We as retail investors, individual investors, can be here. And between Sprout's URNM and URNJ, the junior miners. You basically, with two trades, own virtually every mining uranium stock that's out there. Yeah, okay, there might be one in Namibia that, that, that I've missed or they've missed, but here they are. There's uranium, and I think it's uh, uh, just a fantastic time. Um, uh, here's the, the, the spot chart. Uh, again, I listen to all kinds of podcasts, and they're all talking about, well, now's the slow time. The, the utility buyers that uh, contract long-term for uranium, they're on vacation, so this is when things are, you know, uh, uh, lousy. And the spot price is hanging in there at 57 58 bucks. So if we get into any sort of demand period going forward, uh, I think we're going to take out that 60 level. I think we're going to challenge... The, the certainly the 70 level that was happening at Fukushima and the 140 level at 07, the uh, sharp-eyed observers of the uranium mafia pointed out to me that, uh, you know, 140, if you inflation adjust that, you're talking about a $200 number. So here we are at 58. I think we've got a chance to double the spot price, maybe triple the spot price, and when that happens, you have the top line of, with production being equal, you have the top line of the chemicals of the world and all the junior guys 
the revenue line explodes and then the bottom line explodes because expenses don't go up in lockstep. So this is going to be a lot of fun. I think if uh, we double the spot price, I think we make four or five times or more on, um, uh, on, on the uranium miners. And this isn't hyperbole. This is parabolas. I mean, look at what happened in 05 and 07. You've had a, a, uh, you know, a four or five-fold move in two years. And so I don't see why that can't happen again. I really don't. So, uh, and I, it, I, if you've listened to me for a while, I don't say this often. You know, I don't talk about about doublings of commodities and and you know five times in stocks. But when I do, I want to take advantage of it. I want to you know really impress upon you to do your own due diligence. This isn't financial advice. You're smart people. I don't know your financial picture inside and out. But I know that I love looking for things like this, discovering things, and then have everybody else come around later. And when it's on the front page of, of the Boston Globe, then I know, okay, I got to start paying attention to my cell discipline and, and, and um, get my chart book out and uh, get the hell out of Dodge. So, uh, yeah, the mafia's already engaged. We've had a thousand plus views from last week. I, that's great. We've had a number of new subscribers. I love it. Please send me your comments, uh, pro and con. Anything you see on uranium, I'm all ears. So uh, please go to my website, stockmarketauthority.com. Sign up for my free newsletter. We talk about this and everything else in between the, uh, the formal podcast. And um, it's going to be fun, boys and girls, children of all ages. That's today's top story. Now it's time to check the mailbag. There's a letter in your mailbox. You got mail. Uh, and uh, I love this. We've got voice memos coming in. This is Ben from Manche- Manchester, New Hampshire. Let's see what he wants to talk about. Hey, Kevin. How are you? It's Ben here. Hope yourself and the family are all doing well. Um, I just have a quick, quick question. And thank you for taking it. Um, so I was wondering about energy transfer or ET. Um, I have owned ET for a little while now, and <coughs> I purchased it at just over $9. And it's currently at, as we're sitting here, twelve ninety six, And I've, I've made money on it. Uh, nothing too considerable. But most of my money has came from the dividends and I'm wondering if what the thoughts are about that. I know dividends sometimes can be deceiving. I have some friends who just simply looked for high dividend stocks and ended up getting hurt pretty badly off of it. And I know that's a possibility and I'm just wondering what your thoughts were about the stock. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Ben, thanks a lot. Please say hi to your mom, one of my favorite people on God's earth. And uh, this to me is a hold, Ben. Uh, my son told me to be you know, right up front, buy, sell, a hold. This is a hold. And here's why. This is a natural gas pipeline. So they're basically a toll road. And uh, the price of natural gas doesn't mean that much, but they get paid on the volumes where they ship uh, through their pipelines natural gas to, from you know, point A to point B. It's a 9.2% dividend yield. And yeah, when I see something that is uh, you know, 2x what the 10-year uh, Treasury is right now at 411. I go, okay, something's up. Something's up. And that's a flag to me. Now, it doesn't negate it, but I go, okay, something. 
how can we justify that dividend? The other point I want to make, I'll go through the technicals, then I'll go through the dividend. The Look at this line that I've drawn here. And this is happening in a lot of energy uh, stories, by the way. Uh, we're at pre-pandemic resistance. So before the government shut the world down and had demand plummet for everything to do with, with um, crude oil and natural gas, we're, it's taken three years to get back to this point. And it's been a hell of a fight. Now, uh, kudos to you. 9 to 13. I got 19, 13.52 on my chart here. Um, that's good money. And then you get the dividend on top of it. That's a pretty good investment, where, you know, where I would come from. My point here and the reason for the hold is now you've got a lot of people that are at this 13, 14 level that are back to break even. And you're going to find natural sellers at this point in time. And for a pipeline, I don't know what a catalyst is going to be besides a really big dividend hike that's going to uh, uh, break this through to the upside. So I think price is going to be hard to come by. I think the dividend's okay. And then here's a subtlety because I want to start you know, teaching more of the nuances of charts and, and what I'm seeing here. This, I drew this, this descending line here on the relative strength line, if you can see that, especially on YouTube. Relative strength is 75, but relative strength didn't confirm the new high in the price. And that's just a divergence that says to me, there's other things to look at here. My, I, I believe in forced displacement. My aim is to find the 10 best groups in the world, literally, to invest in to make money every single year. And the fact that the relative strength line isn't confirming the price action means to me it's tired, there's other places to go, and, 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 and capital is flowing uh, appropriately. Uh, this other arrow down here in the, in the, um, in the, in the left, the, the second arrow, earnings are, are, are down and deteriorating. The, 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 the decline of earnings is, is worsening, so that suggests something that is not uh, positive for the dividend, and the volume is poor. It just, it's not confirming that, and that's what you have happen when you reach resistance like we, like we did here. It's just people get tired, the sellers start picking up, and the buyers uh, don't have the same force that they used to. So then what I did, and I recommend you do, is I simply plugged into Google and the Yahoo Finance uh, energy transfer, ET, uh, uh, dividend coverage, okay, the coverage ratios. What well, just means how much in earnings and cash flow uh, is paid out in dividends. And and obviously, you want to have that multiple be as high as you possibly can. Well, here, the, the payout ratio is 98%. So that means virtually every dollar that comes in in earnings, it goes out in the dividend. And it's a pipeline. That's okay. They have maintenance capex. They don't really have growth capex. You got to make sure the pipes, the pipeline is safe and operating, you know, uh, efficiently. But you know, it's just there's no room for error. If something happens, then you're going to have uh, a potential dividend cuts. Dividend cuts here are are are. 
uh, you know, cataclysmic to stocks, as your friends might have found out the, the hard way. So when you see a dividend that looks like it, it's tough to justify, go look at, at these uh, uh, metrics for payout ratios and coverage ratios and make sure they have enough earnings and cash flow to cover it. Here, I think you're okay. I think you can tell by my 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 tone, it's a hold, but I would, uh, if you feel that there's other places like uranium, for example, where you can make way more than the 9% dividend yield that you're going to make here, uh, I would suggest looking at that and, and deploying capital appropriately. So I hope I've answered that. I hope I've been helpful. And, uh, you know, please come back. And I love the voice memos. Please keep them coming. Uh, next, Murph from New York City uh, is asking about, I think, NVIDIA and Sox. But let's, let's, let's hear it from him, please. Thanks. Hope you're doing well, sir. I had a question for you about Sox, ticker SOXX, which is BlackRock Semiconductor ETF. I know this is one I've asked you about and you've addressed in the past, but curious to see if your perspective has changed at all. I do recall you saying this one was a bit oversold a few months back, and the chart may still suggest that. However, I'm wondering, taking a step back or away from the chart, how you are viewing the semiconductor space overall. NVIDIA represents around 10% of stocks, and given the recent financial performance and outlook going forward, this truly does seem like a once-in-a-generation company and one that right now may be tough to put a value on. I also think that there is an argument that we are still in really in the early innings of this semiconductor boom, similar to the early days of Apple, Microsoft, and names like that. As always, let me know your thoughts and very much appreciate your insights. Thank you. Murph, thanks a lot. Uh, great hearing your voice. Uh, I'm going to go to NVIDIA first and then go to the socks, and I'll tell you why. Uh, NVIDIA is, is a hold for me. And uh, uh, it seems to become a, uh, have, have become a lightning rod. You know, oh, the valuation is extreme and there's double ordering in China. And, uh, you know, it's like the Internet uh, uh, bubble of the late 90s. And I say, I always go to the chart first. And here's what the chart says. This is a new closing high at 487 some odd. It was up when I looked at, uh, at uh, my screen the, uh, on the way here. The relative strength is 99, so it's beating every stock that's out there. The EPS, the earnings per share, is up 429%. How many companies are saying that? They're obliterating revenues. They're raising guidance by 2 and 3 and $4 billion a quarter. The volume, the trading volume, on, is, is, as it hits this new closing high, 38% above normal. This isn't Cisco in 2000. It's not even close. Now, is it cheap? No. Does everybody uh, have a buy on it on the street? Yes. The street buy ratings are an absolute waste of time. So I don't even pay attention to that. But the, the, the rationale that, oh, well, there's no one left to buy NVIDIA, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Uh, also, I was listening to Josh Brown and Michael Batnick's uh, podcast, uh, on the way up here, and I'm doing this from memory, but I'm going to get this about right. You know, uh, earnings now have become for next year 11 bucks, and uh, uh, 16, 17 for 2025 with an upside bias. My commentary, not theirs. So now you're looking at a company that's 
42, 43 times next year's number, 25 or so, the, 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 uh, the 2025, with a moat that most people would kill for. So, uh, you know, semi, this semiconductor company is killing it. I think I have a hard time getting juiced up that it, I mean, it is an expensive stock on certainly a price to sales level, but this chart is telling me that it wants to go north and it will find incremental buyers. The subtlety is that if you're a professional money manager with the S&P as your, as your uh, benchmark, this is what, 4 or 5% of the S&P? You got to do something with it. You know, you can't ignore it. If you want to be short NVIDIA, God bless you, but you're going to get fired next year. That's just the way the world works. And they don't care about your, your valuation mantras. The, 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 the pipe fitters of Pittsburgh are going to say, we can find someone that owned NVIDIA at, at, at 250. Let's fire this guy. So that's the dynamic that goes on in professional money management. Here's the other thing. I want you to look at, at uh, here's the... A great chart that the journal put up as I was listening to your question. This is NVIDIA versus the, the SOX, the semiconductors, and the S&P 500. And it's ridiculous. This is this just the last eight months this year. And uh, NVIDIA is up 225%. The SOX is up 30-ish, something like that. S&P is up 15 or so. I mean, I've never seen this before, where you've got one stock that is just lapping the field left and right. So you're right. NVIDIA is 10% of the stocks. And then you have Broadcom and AMD at, you know, eight, seven, and then it goes down to the Intels and that. And they're all playing for second or third place at best. Uh, You know, AI chips are in demand, period, end of discussion. We're seeing that in the numbers. They have the, the chips that everybody wants. And, and, you know, now it's widely recognized. So that's why I say it's a hold. I think the Sox is a hold. Uh, I, I obviously, uh, you know, there's no element of surprise here anymore. You know, uh, uh, everybody knows the NVIDIA story, all the, the 32 analysts, whatever the number is. I, I'm making that up. Uh, they're there. Now, I, I also, I point you to the... Uh, the show notes, go click on that. Another great podcast, uh, uh, Patrick O'Shaughnessy, Invest Like the Best, and he had Lee Ainsley on his show. And and please listen to that. He's the, the uh, founder of Maverick, very successful hedge fund, very thoughtful guy, does a tremendous amount of work. They owned NVIDIA in 2004, so good for them. Uh, they're obviously killing it this year. And he puts up a pretty compelling case that his trade checks suggest that the, 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 the order growth is still huge for NVIDIA. The demand is still huge. The budgets are exploding. And it's a different industry than it has been in the past. The old timers say semiconductors, it's cyclical, it's boom and bust. There's double ordering. That's going to hammer it. And that may be true. But that's also the conventional wisdom. So that's why you have uh, uh, NVIDIA uh, doing what it's doing. And I, I always get a little bit concerned when people say, well, I'm going to go find the next best NVIDIA. You know, the next best NVIDIA is in a different zip code entirely. So the Sox, if you want to own it, great. I obviously think Uranium is going to kick its tail. And I think Uranium is going to kick NVIDIA's tail from here. I know, wow, what a statement that is. But, you know, 
if you have uh, uh, you know some of those hedge funds that are underperforming, say let's get into uranium. You know, it's sixty billion dollars of market cap that they're going to be going into. The prices are going up, so uh, that's where I am. I like what you're thinking. I think the Sox is okay. I don't think it's great, um, and I'd rather own uranium. So it's a hold to me, both Nvidia and the Sox. And I hope I've been semi-useful. Okay, thank you. Can't wait to see you. Say hi to your dad, please. Uh, Van from Houston, Professor Van from the uh, uh, University of Houston MBA program, uh, good friend. He was a uh, buy-side analyst that sold to me uh, energy. He knows I'm a pain in the neck and that I read charts first and, and fundamentals third. But uh, he asked, how does Schlumberger, SLB, look to you? I don't know why they changed the name. Schlumberger isn't that tough to say, but it's now SLB is, is the name and the symbol. Uh, and he, here we go. This, this is a hold to me. Uh, uh, the 60 level, and I drew even a longer line. So this goes back to the great financial crisis, 07, 08, and it goes back to uh, the pandemic. And now we're coming up and kissing the underside of this, uh, SLB is, and it's resistance, and it's going to be tough to get through. And uh, it's a great company. Uh, you know, it's it's the you know Cadillac of of uh, oil field services. It's the name that that the uh, aforementioned underperforming portfolio managers will pull off the shelf when they need to have uh, energy service exposure. Just as a uh, aside, you know, I've I've looked at the EOGs and the Oxys and the Pioneers and all of those the exploration and production companies. The service companies look better. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if, if they're sniffing out that there's some loosening of the discipline of the CapEx budgets of the producers that's going to filter through to the seismic and, 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 the, and the rig and the fracking companies. I don't know. But they look better than the EMPs. And, you know, again, I don't play an economist, and, and I certainly don't play one on TV. Uh, I don't think they make you money. And I think trying to say, well, I'm going to extrapolate from the Chinese economy how the butterfly wings will impact the the crude oil price of $80 that we see now. But, you know, I just don't have a, a, a big reason to say uh, we're going to go to 100 bucks and everybody wants to own more energy than they do now. Or energy or energy's, oil's going to go to 60 and the converse will be true. So SLB is a hold. And uh, and I would and I'm looking for you know better names all the time and please keep firing questions to me. So uh, energy overall, I mean I can't tell you how many charts look like this. They're coming back, they're hitting multi-year resistance, and they got to spend some time chewing through that. Or we need a big move in, in oil and natural gas prices to to generate a catalyst to move us to the upside. So that's what I see, Van. I hope it's helpful, and I can't wait to talk to the class at some point and the Student Management Investment Fund of, of Houston. So thanks for that introduction. Uh, that's it for the mailbag this week. If you want to write into the show with any questions or comments, email me at bakes at stockmarketauthority.com. And obviously, uh, it's better to leave me a voice recording. I love he- hearing the nuance, the angst or enthusiasm of what you want to ask me, and we'll play your question on the show. Let's take a break. When you come back, we'll take a look at the Stock Market Authority portfolio, and I'll give you this week's 
fakes takes. You're listening to Stock Market Authority. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Do you want to become a better investor? Do you want to learn how to make money in both up and down markets? Then you need to go to stockmarketauthority.com and sign up for our free newsletter today. Stock Market Authority is run by award-winning investment manager Kevin Bakes Baker. His aim is to save you time while teaching you how to be a better investor. Bakes saves you time by diving into all the latest stock market news and information so that you don't have to. He reads all the latest articles, analyzes the charts, and listens to all the relevant podcasts. And then once a week, he gives you a breakdown of what's happening in the market. Stock Market Authority is constantly outperforming the S&P and the HFRX. Bakes is going to share with you his weekly stock observations. He'll give you concise insights and show you how to lock in profits and minimize losses. Stock Market Authority is making money in up and down markets. Wouldn't you like to do the same? So join now and let Bakes show you how. Head on over to stockmarketauthority.com and sign up for our free newsletter today. That's stockmarketauthority.com, making money in up and down markets. We are back, and today we're talking about Bakes. That's me, your humble host. Uh, Going more nuclear and even more enthusiastic about uranium than I have been. Uh, Here's the portfolio, folks. And uh, again, I, I, I questioned my masochism and my judgment many times, but I said, how am I going to get to you? Uh, why are you going to listen to me if I don't eat, eat home cooking? So here's what I do. Uh, we do two things, Suze and I. We own the S&P 500, and then we own Stock Market Authority. And my goal is to make money uh, every year especially the 30% of the time that the, the, the broader market's going down. And so far, I've done it. So I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, we're 2.64 times the hedge fund index since we started this. We made money last year. So far, so good. Your money manager, by the way, has a different goal. He hugs an index or she hugs an index, and it's when the market's down, they try to lose less. So we've got way more flexibility. We can go into any of the thousands of ETFs that are out there, long, short, foreign, domestic, any commodity, any stock market. It's, it's, it's good to be us. And so I hope I'm having fun. I hope you are too. Uh, my end game, I get asked that sometimes. Hey, why do you do all this? Number one, I do it for new listeners because my sons, Bobby and Jack, were in business programs, uh, student-managed investment funds. And uh, they would fire questions at me when they were, had tests or interviews or what have you. And then their friends would join in. And now, frankly, I want to go out to every uh, university, every student-managed investment fund, and uh, make sure you don't make the same mistakes that I did. And I'll tell you how Wall Street really works, uh, especially how to sell. More on that later. But here's where we are right now. Oh, my end game. I uh, eventually I want to run, I want to become your hedge fund. Much lower cost, much simpler, more transparent. I want to make money every year and have the Bakes ETF or the Stock Market Authority ETF that just grinds out positive returns uh, every single year. And uh, we'll see how it goes. Right now, as I said, I'm 20% uranium, and I think that's full. I mean, I, I own uh, 10% each of, of the, the Sprott uranium uh, funds, and uh, I basically own through that every uranium stock out there virtually. Uh, We're 10% Argentina, which has been a a very positive surprise. Frankly, I can't really find positive uh, uh, fundamental news, uh, political or economic, on Argentina 
but the, the ETFs up 27% since we bought it. So that's what I care. Uh, this being right and, and making money, and I'm going to take uh, the letter every single time. With 30% AI, robotics, technology, uh, yep, I probably should have woke up uh, January 2nd and, uh, you know, bought uh, NVIDIA, Meta, and, and, uh, and Alphabet, but I didn't because the world isn't as cut and dry in that and isn't as clear as that. But at least I'm participating to some extent with 10% in Bitcoin and with 30% uh, through GBTC and with 30% in cash, give or take. We're down this year. Got some work to do. We're down 15. Market's up 17. Uh, and I'm busting my tail to, uh, to keep my, uh, my streak alive to make money every year. Uh, this is the Grayscale uh, Bitcoin Trust, GBTC. And I added this late because it was as I was typing the rest of the show, we get breaking news that the uh, judge had just ruled that Grayscale beat SEC in their lawsuit. And uh, uh, the SEC approved two futures Bitcoin ETFs and denied the uh, in the past Grayscale converting this GBTC trust into an ETF. And because of that, it traded at a discount to the Bitcoin they own. And the, the judge says, hey, that was capricious. That was arbitrary. And uh, uh, so now they're going to convert this to an ETF, I assume, unless the SEC has some sort of crazy appeal process. Uh, the, the stock, the, the, the GBTC went up on three times volume. Uh, we're we're uh, targeting this 2188 2020 resistance level. I want to see a close above that. This also makes it more likely from what we talked about in the past that BlackRock and Wisdom Tree and ARK and Fidelity launch their own ETFs, make it way easier for every registered investment advisor and every individual investor to buy Bitcoin via this simple mechanism. And I think it's going to happen. Now, it's not going to happen tomorrow, so the stock's pulling back a little bit today. But if we see a close above 2188, I start looking at the all-time highs in the 30s, and uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, so stay tuned for that. And just so you know, I go through recent improvements in my newsletter uh, over the course of the week outside of this, uh, you know, uh, half-hour show that we do. Uh, look at my social media posts. Please subscribe follow and share. That's how we're invested. Uh, Wednesday, August 30th, the last Wednesday of summer. Good Lord. Uh, let's get into this week's Bakes Takes. Uh, today, my takes are pretty simple. Number one, I want you, if, if you have any connection to a student managed investment fund, uh, please reach out to me, make an introduction. Uh, I really think I can add a lot of value. I've been 25 years in hedge funds and mutual funds, and I know where the bodies are buried. I know how the real world works. And most importantly, I know how to sell. And I know that sounds uh, audacious, but uh, I've studied it. I, I went through the 87 crash, and I learned that, that the charts were saying a lot of things that the fundamentals weren't. And so I've incorporated, incorporated that into my process, and I impart it to you. And I've also studied selling way more than, than the podcasts that I listen to have, and I have a, a, a discipline that flat out works. It doesn't work perfectly all the time, but it, it helps me lock in profits and, and minimize losses. And uh, from what I'm hearing from you, 
you're round tripping too many too many investments, and I'm going to bring that to a to a stop. And I, I want to bring this up again. Uh, this comes from my library. It's yellowed. It's got my you know chicken scratch on it. This is Cisco 2000 because I hear all kinds of pundits and all kinds of economists uh, interpreting you know uh, interpreting. You know, uh, I call it butterfly wings. You know, oh, this happens over here. So all these dominoes that I had, I know will line up exactly the way I think will impact, you know, this company or this stock, this industry, this market over here. And economists can't pick stocks. We can. And I can sure teach you how to sell stocks. And the reason I bring this up is that uh, those those same economists and pundits say, oh, this reminds me, this is eerily reminiscent uh, uh, of, of the the internet bubble of the late 90s. Okay, maybe, but we're not there yet. NVIDIA doesn't look anything like this. This is what I base my cell discipline on, and I've done it, I can't tell you how many times you folks have come in with ideas, and I've gotten you out of harm's way because I say, dispassionately sell this pig, it's gone. And and these are stocks, they aren't friends, and they're all for sale at some point in time. And Cisco uh, peaked out at 85, and it didn't touch that again for 30 years. So it was dead, it was a horrible investment and dead money for 30 years, which is why uh, I'm, uh, uh, I am a tourist and I, uh, uh, I want to go where live money is and I don't want to have any dead money. So I hope I've pressed upon that. Please go to stockmarketauthority.com, sign up for my newsletter. There's a how to sell video on that. That's, uh, that's even more recent. That's as germane today as it ever was. So those are my bakes takes for the week. As we close out today's show, I always like to end with some much-needed levity. Uh, I've seen him live. I've seen him live twice, as a matter of fact, uh, with my family. Jim Gaffigan, mom, dad, he's clean. Uh, he played for the Pope when he came to Philadelphia, for heaven's sake. So that's uh, uh, how clean he is. But he's a funny son of a gun. And this is 10 minutes, almost a greatest hits uh, if you will, of Jim Gaffigan. So uh, enjoy it and uh, have a great Labor Day weekend, folks. See you next week. Keep smiling. God bless. Fake Stock Market Authority signing off. Bye now. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.